Welcome to the Content and Media Matters podcast, a series of interviews with key leaders throughout the industry, all brought to you by the Content and Media team at Nuco, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm. Welcome to the Content and Media Matters podcast. Your hosts today are me, Tegan Bellaney, Managing Consultant, and Abby Burnham, Associate Consultant. And we are delighted to be joined today by Kristen Bullitt, founder and CEO of Humans Not Robots. Kristen started his career at Sky before taking on a role at AT AT&T. He then spent a few years uh, as the companies he worked for went through different acquisitions and changes. So he spent 10 years at IOCO, where he successfully led various global technical projects through the media industry. There was a stop off at UPC Broadband. And then he moved to Pixel, where Kristen had a variety of roles from group head of architecture to head of solutions and managing director. Passionate about sustainability, in 2021, Kristen founded Humans Not Robots, a remote first startup developing an analytics and observability platform, which not only offers a great service, but works to reduce the environmental impact of online video. Welcome to the show, Kristen. Hello. How are you doing today? You well? Very good, thank you. The sun is actually shining down here in Brighton, so I can truly say I'm at the sunny south coast. Beautiful. <laughs> it is. It is. I love these kind of crisp January days. You can't beat it. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. We actually have the same here, which is great. Oh. It's pretty bleak this morning, you know, when it's setting itself up for a bad one. But um, I'm pretty happy with this. The sun won over. Good to hear. Well, we're being very British talking about the weather, but to get us started, we always love to ask people the same thing. So, how did you first get into the content and media industry? I worked for a company that provided system integration. That was where I started as a hands-on developer. Great fun doing that. Pretty dull domain stuff, like for me anyway, healthcare, finance, uh, not not as exciting as I like it. Um, And as part of that, one of our senior sales guys happened to be in a meeting at Sky, and he wasn't invited to the meeting, by the way. He just walked into the back of a room in true sales fashion style and when when someone said we're going to do this new platform that's all about delivering video online and everyone agreed it was a great idea and then when whoever the leader of that meeting was said who's going to build this everyone stepped back and our sales guy put his hand away we'll do it no way so, so that's how the company i was working for ended up building sky by broadband all that all that time back in the day <laughs> Oh wow, that's that's an incredible story. It's always really fascinating to to hear how people got into the industry, but that particularly we've not had before. Um, Occasionally, yeah. you find really good salespeople, and they just do all kinds of stuff. And it, you know, <laughs> yeah, I've, it's incredible. I've got lots of other off-air stories I could tell you about him. <laughs> Amazing. And we're always interested to know um, what do you think is the most sort of pivotal um, moment in your career? Um. Well. I've spent most of my career in media and broadcast, but I'm from the software world. I'm not I'm not wires and cabling and engineering. And actually watching media and broadcast transition from uh, analog to digital and then from hardware stack to software stack, mm-hmm. it's the whole transition to software that's been so pivotal for me. Yeah. No, very, very interesting. And what technologies do you think have had the sort of biggest impact on the streaming space um, to bring it to where it is now? 
If you go and look at how hard software development used to be and how infrastructure management used to be very, very complicated, you got to look at cloud computing and think about how much yeah. that simplified things. If you look at all of the progressive frameworks, I remember spending two or three hours trying to install Windows on a machine. Now we can spin up and scale out infrastructure and architecture in seconds. And, and you're only paying for what you use as well. So cloud-based architecture and usage-based pricing models, huge. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Um, so yeah, we've had a little bit about how you got into the industry. So I'll pass over to Tegan to, to find a little bit more about the present and the future. Thanks, Abby. Kristen, you started Humans Not Robots after or, or really even during the pandemic. Given the upheaval of, of the past few years, what would you say is what, what do you think the impact has been on the streaming space and the media industry uh, more generally? Are you thinking of the pandemic or everything? Um, I was specifically thinking of the pandemic, but I would love to hear your answers on both. <laughs> I gave that one to you really, didn't I? Um, you did, you so, did. <laughs> so I think, I think working from home has had a huge shift. It's made a massive change. And I know... I know one of my customers had to switch to remote production very, very quickly, remote editing, and they had a whole bunch of on-prem kits and everything was in, in their office somewhere in central London. And I think they managed to switch across in about 10 days. Wow. But that's a significant load on their cloud resources at that point. There's big security considerations as part of that. Very, very challenging. Um, look how White City's been slowly broken down and all of that kit is certainly a massive subset of what it used to be moving everything into the cloud has made significant changes and again everything can be done remotely now we used to ship people yeah. to amsterdam with armfuls of kit on jet two flights and you know that just isn't needed to the same degree anymore and it saves everyone money which is good but actually under the hood it can often be far more expensive as well so if you look at things like capex and opex expenses Paying a couple of million to retrofit out a data center, yeah, that sounds expensive, but the money's out at that point. But switching to an annual model of paying a company like I used to work a couple of million annually to maintain and manage these things, I think I think that actually adds quite a lot of complexity as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's interesting that, that you touched on that kind of work from home because I'd be really interested to know Humans Not Robots is a remote first company right um and there have been lots of debates recently about working from home and where do bosses really want want people and what does that look like what do you see the benefits of working fully remotely what would you say they are and and why did humans not robots make that decision well one very crude approach is it's a lot cheaper. I don't pay yes. for offices and I don't pay for all of that transport. And from a people perspective, they don't have to suffer from all of that additional commuting and transporting as well. Um, we like remote working. We like being remote first. And I think everyone would put their hands up and claim that made them a lot more productive. But it's all in balance because you can't understand what's happening all of the time. And sometimes you do get little frustrations of, you know, what's that person doing or what's that person working on right now? From a software perspective, it's pretty good because you see who's committing in what code and all of the tools are there to help support those efforts. But, and I don't like to say it too much, actually getting FaceTime is a really nice thing. And yeah. with us, with Humans Not Robots, we do 
we do a quarterly meeting where everybody gets together face to face and we try and spend a, a couple of nights somewhere pleasant. Um, I'll let you judge what is pleasant, but we rented a house in Derbyshire up in the oh. hills in Edale last time, which was good. Um, oh, lovely. End of November, pouring rain, me and one of my founders up on top of one of the hills at six in the morning, right? Um, not everyone's bag, but it was good fun to do it. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think it depends on the person. Mm. Hybrid's a good model where you can say, I'm going to rent you a hot desk in a space somewhere and you can go there a couple of days a week. But you have to meet face-to-face occasionally. Yeah, especially in this industry, right? It, this is a relationship-first industry um, and everything we actually do really gravitates around people. Um, you can't avoid that. However, I agree with you. I think to have that flexibility, that hybrid model, that option to be at home when your kids come home from school, the option to walk the dog or uh, spend that extra hour instead of commuting, cracking on with a project. It, that's absolutely vital for people's happiness and well-being, which ultimately means they become a more productive member of your organisation. I, I remember going for a one-hour meeting in San Francisco. Think of no. the cost and the impact oh. of that. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's criminal. That's absolutely criminal. Yeah. Um, I mean, that brings us on quite nicely in talking of impact um, onto our topic that, that matters. And I'm really looking forward to, to getting into the meat of, of some of these bits and pieces. So, Abby, I'm going to pass over to yourself. Yes, so for the topic that matters this episode, we really wanted to delve into that um, sustainability um, side of your work and, and your sort of insi- insights in how we can reduce our environmental impact um, as an industry. Um, there's definitely a, a lack of awareness regarding um, energy consumption in streaming versus broadcast. How do you think we can change this? There are there are bodies like Green of Streaming who are doing a really good job of raising awareness of this. They had an event at the House of Commons last year. Mm. They have a couple of good media interviews. So getting an understanding of the significance of the environmental impacts of video is a really important step in that. I think think as consumers, we like to make sure our pockets are comfortable and knowing that Netflix costs, what does it cost now, $8.99 a month for the HD plan or something like that? Something Um, like that, yeah. But I think... Maybe there's an option for someone like Netflix to say, actually, by going down the UHD subscription route, it's having a negative effect on the environment because additional encoding, additional CDN storage costs, and you're paying this much more, but that means you are responsible for producing this much more carbon. Um, Mm. So it would be nice to put a cost side by side with the environmental impact from a consumer perspective. Yes, no, definitely. Um, And this is a big topic at the DPP leaders briefing recently. Um, But in your opinion, why is it so important for sort of workflow and analytics to be more sustainable throughout the broadcast media industry? The first thing I'd say is we we like as an industry to to project that we're very data driven. And I don't think that's the case. So let's reduce our carbon footprint by 10%. How do you start doing that? You stop 
you stop doing some things, but you need to be able to measure it to be able to actually achieve those yeah. targets and goals. So, so actually, my first point is to continue to advocate for taking a data-driven approach. And I don't think anyone's really doing that. I mentioned cloud transformation before, but loads and loads of organizations jumped into the cloud because um, they 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 wanted to believe in the hype of reduced infrastructure costs and cheaper usage patterns. And I think people have had their fingers burnt a little bit. And you've definitely heard stories of people moving back out of the cloud because actually for whatever their use case is, it didn't make sense. But mm -hmm. maybe taking a data-driven approach would have helped them just to, to wrap that understanding into a safety net before starting to take action. So I'm an advocate for data-driven analytics rather than sustainability. You know, that makes a, a lot of sense. Um, and beyond that, that sort of um, data analytics side of things, uh, how can media supply chains, in your words, sort of be cleaner, faster and cheaper? Well, everyone likes things cheaper. And you go into any FD office, they like to beat up that bottom line on that spreadsheet. So there's already a desire and a passion to pay less for things. But that's really focused on how do I get this supplier to charge me less? Not how do I optimize my processes so that I use less? And actually, you should probably do both of those things. Get your supplier to charge you less and use less of your supplier's product. But yeah. in the usage-based world, where's the incentive for a supplier to help you use less? There isn't one. So, so everyone wants to save money. And actually... If you lower your resource utilization, you're going to be saving money and you're going to be using less of something as well. So I think it's a I think it's a win-win situation. Interesting. And that definitely sort of leads into, into my next question, because we hear a, a lot of the time um, that, that companies are having discussions around going green. But how do we actually turn these discussions into action? Um there, there, are, there are a couple of pieces of legislation coming in in the next year, and I've lost the acronym in my head, so I can't tell it you right now, but large companies are going to be punished if they don't bring a bit more focus to what their environmental impact is. And unfortunately, that kind of works. Hit them with a stick, and they'll try and do something about it. I think it would be brilliant to turn it the other way around. Wouldn't it be great to have a, a, a top 100 clean media companies list? that we really champion and you know I, I think I know who'd be at the top right now but I'm not going to tell you that <laughs> but, but we could you know we could really push on those companies and and they could wear yeah. a badge that shows how they're supporting that and then of course trend that on a year-by-year -year basis so who's improving and who's degrading that yeah that's so important to, to sort of think about the long-term um, uh, impact as well well, thank you for that. That's a really sort of fascinating um, uh, uh, look at kind of what we can expect and, and, and do to help change our, our impact as an industry. Um, the other sort of big topic that we wanted to cover today um, is around diversity. So I'll pass back over to you, Tex. Thanks, Abby. How have you seen diversity change since you started in the industry? Hmm. Well, So if I, ref I'm trying to decide where to start on this one, because on the one side, I feel it's very positive, but on another side, I think it's quite negative as well. I'd um, agree. So, so as a startup, we are just men. We are white, middle-aged men. And that, that doesn't feel very good. And I also feel I should commit to doing something about it. But 
the realities of a startup is you've got a finite amount of money and there are various constraints that make it less affordable is not quite the right word but i'm going to use it less affordable to make positive changes but i remember i remember working with people like sky way back mm -hmm. in the day and i think that was always a very very diverse crowd always um but then if you start to zoom in and see what roles people are assuming and taking in that, actually, from a development perspective, it's always been a very male-heavy part of the industry. And I think that goes all the way back to education and gender yes. stereotypes. And actually, that's a really slow thing to change. I've worked with some really, really good female developers. But you also, you, you, can't, you can't force it. Um, so I'm I'm optimistic that with improvements in uh, education, specifically around coding, I saw my niece last week and she was doing a computer science homework and she was she was adoring it and I was testing on it because well I'm dead smart and I know all the answers right um, <laughs> so it's really good to see and you know she's quite girly as well so she's not had to become this um, you know male stereotype geek to then start to do these traditionally male stereotype roles as well. So I feel that's very, very positive, but it's a long tail. And, I, you know, you're still, you're still not seeing a huge saturation of particularly women in software development. Yeah, and you're right. It's going, it's going to take a long time and a concerted effort, similarly to, to the addressing sustainability in the industry. This is a grassroots problem and we're changing, um, we're changing culture. I think most people in the industry now would absolutely hand on heart say they know the research, they know the data says that more diverse teams mean the company is uh, works better, has more productivity. Um, but making those changes to actually bring the right people in to create diverse teams is absolutely not going to happen overnight. And it's why it's so important to talk about it, but then turn that talk in, into action. What would you say, um, you know, it, it's brilliant bringing individuals in, but what would you say is important once we've got um, an element of diversity in a business? How do you then create an inclusive atmosphere so you then retain those, those individuals? I think, I think you need changes very high up in an organisation. Mm. You know, I, I have I've seen direct toxic masculinity in, in very senior meetings in the past. It's like... You, you can't still be doing this shit. Yeah. This is like five years ago or something, but it's like, wow, what's wrong with you people? Um, so I think I think you have to, first of all, you've got to get the right people who are very genuine on this. Otherwise, yeah. you're a little bit wasting your time. And, and I think to do that, you do need to retrofit some people and move them out of those roles. And that's not an easy thing to do. But I think also you need to get a good mixture of diversity at the very top level in an organization mm -hmm. you can't just have one person who's been brought in to represent you know you need you need someone on your board you need someone on your senior exec team and then i think i think things start to fall in place from that point yeah and that might take a bit longer it might mean that your hiring is going to take that extra six to eight weeks to find the right person but if if we commit to it then the difference it will have for everybody will be vast. Yeah, and I pathetically made my own excuses as a startup. Like, we need to move fast. And well, I was able to employ a guy who's based somewhere down south really, really quickly. That was dead easy. But I needed that at that moment in time. So that's my excuse. Is it? Is it a good excuse, really? Pro probably not. 
it's it's always going to take longer I think to to hire somebody from a from if that's if we're only going to accept diversity and that's our way forward I think it's it it is going to take a little bit longer sometimes and it might be more costly but what you will gain from that as an organization and a business not just humans uh, not robots but but the whole industry um will be absolutely vast um absolutely vast um I, I, so i look forward I, to I seeing do it believe, happen i do believe it, and and please shoot me down if i'm wrong on this but i do believe that media and broadcast is relatively inclusive if you compare that to something like cybersecurity or gaming there's a lot of toxic masculinity in those industries i think i think i think medium broadcast is trying a bit better than that i think there are definitely industries where where we're we're definitely a little bit ahead and and it would be nice to stay ahead and keep pushing forwards for sure um Wonderful. Well, thank you for for sharing your honest thoughts on that. Hugely appreciated. Um, Abby, I'm going to pass over to yourself. Yes. So we've learned a little bit about you um, already, but it's always nice to to find out a little bit more about what makes you you as an individual. Um, So we like to ask um, what your perfect weekend would look like. Right now, at this time of the year, Ignoring the fact that it's a beautiful day out there, I want to be on the slopes. I want to be doing some skiing. Um, it's my wife's 40th in a couple of months' time. So hopefully um, the two of us and our three-year-old will get our oh, three on skis for the first time and see how how much of a oh, so disaster of success that will be. <laughs> oh, no, that would be lovely. And, uh, yeah, seeing him out there for the first time as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and what about in the in the summer months? Um, I like to spend time at home having a barbecue and just very Italian style. Don't rush. Mm. That's a wine late afternoon, even if you are working, if you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> make sure you keep things moving forward, but life's too short to race around everywhere sometimes. Oh, definitely. No, that sounds that sounds like a pretty great weekend to me. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, I'll pass back to Tegs for, for our sort of quick fire round. So no clues here. You have to think on your feet. Um, I'm going to jump straight into this. Would you rather be in the city or the country? Against the things I've just said, I'd rather be in the city. Oh, not what I expected you to say at all, but fair enough. What was the last movie you watched? uh everything everywhere all at once ah, we really? haven't seen it really good i've actually watched it twice i watched it the first time it came on prime and i watched it again last night so oh that is on my short list so i will potentially have to watch that this weekend coming wonderful um mountain peaks or bright sunny beaches uh mountain peaks you've got, I to keep the blood pumping. you've got to keep doing things right i can't sit there i go crazy no, I'm I'm pretty similar. Always mountain peaks for me. And what is your favourite game or sport to watch and play? Hmm. I don't particularly do sports. I've always liked the snooker. There's a lot about the strategy to it. Um, it's a bit sedate, but I still really like it. Nothing wrong with that. I couldn't do it. So nothing wrong with that at all. Would you rather ride a bike, ride a horse or drive a car? Hmm. 
10 years ago, I probably would have said drive a car. I think now ride a bike. Yeah. Yeah. A morning or evening? Morning. Always. 5 a.m. start. Love it. I'm pretty similar. Definitely better in the mornings. Uh, cardio or weights? Uh, cardio every time. Who wants to do weights? It's boring. So boring. So boring. Um, and if you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, well, I'll cheat a little bit. I'll go with ramen noodles. Mm. But that's like a million different packets and different varieties and flavours. And, you know, spice it up with a poached egg or something like that. Oh, the best ramen noodles I had was actually in Calgary in Canada recently. And it was out of this world, completely <laughs> out of this world. If you could live anywhere, where would it be? See, this is a tricky one because it depends on the day of the week. Probably at the moment, somewhere Scandinavian, maybe Iceland. Beautiful. It doesn't get much better than out there, I don't think. Um, what's your favourite family vacation? Is it the skiing? All of them. I just, it's nice to do things with the family. And actually, you want a good spread of variety with that. So you've got to do everything. It's about being together, right? Yeah. yeah Cinema absolutely. or theatre? Um, theatre, however, it's a lot of hard work going into those open spaces and sitting with strangers for a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> So this one might be easy then. Self-catering or all-inclusive? Uh, well, actually, all-inclusive. Um, ah. Because when you're on holiday, you don't want to be doing all that hard work. You want it all sorted for you. No, no, absolutely. And finally, espresso or latte? Oh, espresso every time. Every, I thought you'd be an espresso person, though a lot of those questions you did definitely didn't answer as I expected you to. So <laughs> interesting. Wonderful. Well, we've got one final question for you before we wrap things up. Um, and Abby, I'll pass over to yourself to ask that. Yes, we always like to, to wrap up these podcasts by asking the, the same question. Um, and that is what one piece of advice you would give to someone who's entering the industry? Be a good networker and be nice to people. I love it. <laughs> you can't get much better than that. I think that's great advice. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, Kristen. And um, it's been a real, real pleasure to have you on the show um, and looking forward to hearing about that skiing trip that's coming up. I'll be telling you all about it. Thanks for having me today. Really appreciate it. Wonderful. No problem. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.nuco-group.com. That's N-E-U-C-O-group.com.